Okay, today we are continuing our series called Assurance, because we all need a lot of assurance right now. Remembering the promises of God, remembering who God is, looking to Him for strength and security and guidance and wisdom. Um, a little review, our first lesson was called God is Alive, and we talked about God's omnipotence, His mightiness, being all-powerful, having all authority, his omniscience, being all-knowing and perceiving all things. His omnipresence, being everywhere at the same time, all the time. These things that put us in awe of who God is, who leave us, it leaves us a little bit dizzy, to be honest. We can't grasp all these things, but we have to remember that God is God and he is in charge, and he is in control. And then last week, we looked about how this huge God, this God we worship, cares not only about the big things, but cares about us individually, is big enough to care about everything that, that we've got to pray about in the whole world, and also to care about our individual needs. That may seem insignificant in the whole grand scheme of things, is not insignificant to God that he cares for all of us. Uh, I heard so many encouraging things about our discussion we had on Wednesday night. And if you are joining us, maybe just coming to, on Sundays, I really want to encourage you to join in with one of our growth groups as we discuss these things and draw these out. And we get to hear from real people, our questions and how we see this playing out in our own lives and helps it to relate to us. And God speaks through those times in such a powerful way as we share our lives together. And we're gonna to continue to do that again this week as we discuss this new topic, uh, how God is alive, how God cares, now how God is working. Now we know the story. We know that God created the world. It took him how many days? Six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. But for some reason, we may have in our mind that, okay, God did all this work to create the world. He wound up his creation and just kind of let it go. And it'll keep going until time is over because God is just resting now. That's not what we see play out in Scripture. That's not what we see about our God. God stopped creating. Yes, he did. Creation was done. He saw it was good. He saw it was very good. But God continues throughout Scripture and to this day to continue to work within his creation to bring about redemption, to bring about salvation, and we're going to read this beginning in John 5. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today to help us understand how God works and to see that God continues to work. In John 5, in verse 16, Jesus has just healed someone else who, who needed healing. It was a paralyzed man, an invalid, at the pool near the sheep gate. An amazing story gives us a lot of faith. But of course, we see that this was done on the Sabbath, on the day that was made for us to rest and remember who God is. And it's amazing to me how many miracles that Jesus does 
on the Sabbath. And maybe there's something to that for us to understand that although there is a rest, there is peace, there is this ultimate Sabbath, doesn't mean that God has stopped his work, that God is still working. The Jew, um, let's see, verse 16, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, Jewish leaders began to persecute him. What was he doing again? He was healing. Why are you healing? Why are you doing good things? on the Sabbath. In this defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. I think that says it all right there. We have to understand that, that God is working. God is working within his creation, within his children. He is at work all the time. He definitely was at work within Jesus, and he continues to work within his day. Then this day, what is his work? Well, it was helping and healing, bringing redemption, sanctification, fathering us as his children, shepherding us as his people, protecting us, teaching us, training us. We see the story of God's work, and we understand that Jesus Christ completed this work of salvation, bringing about once and for all this ultimate sacrifice, this ultimate work that would make us holy, that would allow us to be in the presence of God, to bring this redemption. That's the gospel story. That's the good news. And if you're watching this, if you're hearing this message, and, and you may know that in your head, but you have a lot of questions about what that is, I want to encourage you. I want to take just a moment and encourage you to humble yourself and ask the question, maybe to the growth group leader, maybe to your friend you have here in the church. Call me up and ask me the question. Say, Kevin, or whoever it is you're asking, I want to know more about this redemption. I want to know more about this saving work of Jesus Christ. Because just like that man that was at the pool that needed help, you and I are there and Jesus comes to us and says, hey, do, do you want this? Do you want to get well? Do you want this salvific work? Do you want to participate in this? Do you want to receive this? And we have that opportunity. You and I have that opportunity. And I don't care who you are or or, or if you grew up in church or didn't grow up in church, you've got to take that step. You've got to make a step of humility towards God and say, I want to know more. Tell me about this, please. And then you'll get to decide for yourself if this is what you want to be a part of. This is incredible news. I remember when I was 14 years old, I was riding in the car with my dad. We're coming back from Valdosta, Georgia. I grew up in South Georgia. We were driving to Thomasville. And, uh, and, and we were listening to a football game on, it was a Saturday afternoon and, and, um, we had to go and invite Austin to buy some things and we were coming back and, and I had been studying the Bible. I was 14 years old and, uh, but I had to, to get past that level of discomfort or I had to initiate. I remember leaning over and turning off the radio. And to me, that was a huge step. And that may be the step you're at. I need to turn off the radio or I need to pick up the phone and call somebody. And, and I said, Dad, 
I really, I want to get baptized. And we had a conversation, we had a prayer. And I, and I went back, I still studied the Bible with my minister a couple more times to look at it a little bit more to understand what this is. And I, had to, I made that decision that I wanted to be a part of this great, great story, this redemption that Jesus brings. <clears throat> Wherever you are, please make a step, ask the question, turn down the radio, pick up the phone, call somebody. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus came to bring. This is the work he did. It's not just for me. It's not just for the apostles. It's not, it's for all of us. And I hope that you take that step and take the time to respond to the great work that Jesus has done for all of us. But that's not the point of this message today. That's the foundation of all that we're talking about. But what I'm trying to draw today is that Jesus has continued to work in my life since my baptism. God's work continues in this world, even though Jesus came to save it. It's not all over. It's not all done. It's still being played out today in our lives, and Jesus is still at work. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2 with me today, right toward the end of the Bible, the end of the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 4, Peter tries to describe for us what this continuous work of Jesus is and what it does. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, and that's Jesus Christ, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is <clears throat> acting up a little bit, but I know the Holy Spirit's still working here, all right? Um, Jesus is this stone. Uh, there are a lot of stones in the Bible that, we, that are significant. We won't get into all that, but you think about the stone that brought the water to the Israelites in the desert, the stones of remembrance, the 12 stones piled up by the river Jordan to remember. Here's this, this stone, this who Jesus is, this, this rock stone. There's, there's the prophecy out of Daniel, the, the rock cut out of a, a mountain, not by human hands. Um, It'll grow to be a huge mountain, this kingdom of God. And here he says, Jesus is this stone. Jesus is this mountain. It's living stone. But he says, who are we? Well, we also are just like that. We are also living stones, lowercase stones. And look at the, the, the verbiage here. He says, we are being built into a spiritual house. There's this ongoing process that you and I, if we're in Christ, we've been baptized, we've shared in this grace of God, the forgiveness of God, this redemption of God's people. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. But he says, also, that's great, but you are also being built. I'm still working on you. I'm still working on you. To do what? He says to be holy. 
I want you to be holy. Well, Kevin, aren't we already holy in Jesus Christ? Well, yes, we are. We're counted as holy, but we are still being made holy. So you have to accept both of that, both those truths. It's not an either or, but it's a both and. We, are, we have been made holy and we are being made holy. That tells me that Jesus is still working on me to make me holy. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian, maybe you've been a Christian for half a century. You know what? You still are being worked on by God to become more holy. What is holiness? Well, it's godliness. It's being more like God. Sometimes we think of holiness of maybe wearing robes and being this monk that's just in silence or just kneeling in prayer all the time. I mean, that's not necessarily what this image of holiness should be. Holiness is godliness. God, who is God? Well, it's, it's having peace. It's patience, kindness, gentleness, these fruits of the Spirit, these demonstrations of who God is. He says, I want you to be more and more like this. I want you to have more patience. I want you to have more peace. I want you to have more kindness and more gentleness and more self-control and humility and unselfishness and, and, and to become more hospitable. I want you to become more holy. <clears throat> you know, God is at work in your life and in my life to help us to become more holy. So we can be those rocks, to be that city on a hill, to be a witness of the goodness of God. There was a song I learned growing up in church from my minister, Lyman Marinas. He taught us this church, and it stuck with me all these years. And you may have heard of this old song called, He's Still Working on Me, to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Church, God is working on me. He's working on you. Do we believe that? Do we accept that? Do we want that? Do we want to be more holy? You know, um, oftentimes when we get into a Bible study and <clears throat> we, uh, we look at scripture, or we have a spiritual mentor and they're showing us things, it's, it's kind of like going to the, uh, to the uh, repair shop for your car. And, you know, you go in and, and, and they'll, I remember go, going in so many times, they'll, they'll come back to me with like my air filter and say, look at your air filter. And it's all nasty and dirty. And they'll, they'll put up a, a new one next to it. Say, it should look like this, but it looks like this. And, uh, and it's just proof. And a lot of times when, when I study the Bible and I'm looking at, I'm, I'll look at scripture, I look at things, I'll, I, it kind of like that for me. It's like, Kevin, your life should look like this. Look at Jesus. And then look at your life. Okay. And then there's the question. Do you want a new air filter? Do you want to change? Do you want this? Do you want holiness in your life? They're not going to replace that filter unless we tell them to. You know, we see things, then we have to say, God, yes, I want, I want to change. I want you to change me. I want you to make me more like God. I want to be a better 
demonstration, a better example, a better light to the world. I want to be more like Jesus. Church, I believe that needs to be our prayer today. How does God work on us? How does God shape us and change us? Well, he puts people in our lives. Read the book of Acts. Every time God is working on somebody, there's a person in their, in their path to help them. God continues to do that today. He gives us experiences. He uses our everyday interactions. He uses our jobs, our school. He uses our neighborhoods. God is at work. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I don't always know exactly what God is doing. But I knew, know God is working on it. He used my experiences. We can look back on our lives and we can see how God has been working to make us more holy. I can look at my life. I can see how God used football, used sports to help train me, to train my character, to teach me discipline, to teach me how to work hard, to teach me how to be a good teammate. I remember in high school, he actually used my, an anxiety disorder. I started having panic attacks and, and, and God used that to humble me because I needed humbling. And even to this day, I, I share about that and it relates to a lot of people. But God used that, which I thought was a horrible thing, to help shape me and train me and teach me. God used sports again in college. My football story, I've shared it before, but he taught me to how to be unselfish. Unselfish for it not to be all about me because I have a lot of selfishness and pride in my heart that God used my experiences to teach me and train me and build my character to be more like him. As a father, oh goodness, God has taught me so much with my kids. He's taught me so much but patience. And I do see in scripture how so many of the leaders, the elders and shepherds are, are first to, to have the experience of being a parent. You learn so much about how to be patient and compassionate when you have three-year-olds running around. And uh, it's amazing, but it's exhausting. And teaches you, teaches me patience. God has used unfair situations in my life. He's used unfair situations to teach me forgiveness, to teach me how to have grace. God is working on you. He's working on me through scripture, through other people, and through our experiences to shape us to be more holy if we want it. Romans chapter eight. Let's turn there. This is the theme verse for today. <clears throat> How is God guiding us? Romans eight twenty eight is probably, I always hate to say my favorite scripture because there's so many, but let's, let's say one of my favorite scriptures. Why? Because I believe that, that this scripture really, it separates those who are living with real faith in Jesus Christ for, from those who aren't. It really shapes the way we see life and we see the world and we see different experiences. Let's read what Paul writes here. It is a one scripture out of a long chapter. Read chapter eight. It talks so much how God's spirit is at work. Well, let's listen to this truth. He says, and we know 
we know, we can trust that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. What a powerful truth. That God is working for the good of his people and his plan. Always. Through all things. If I had time, I would read through chapter 8. How the worry of life goes away. How there's really nothing to fear when you really see that God is always at work for the good of his people. Now, what is the scripture not saying? The scripture is not saying that all things are good. There are definitely evil things, bad experiences. But in all things, whether good or bad, God claims victory for his people. God works through good things. God works through tough things. God can even use evil and turn it around for his good and for the good of his people. He works through storms and he works through sunshine. He works through healthy babies and he works through those who have medical challenges. He works through times of peace and a strong economy and times of health. And he works through recession and depression and COVID-19. God never stops working. For what? The good of those who love him. You see, a bountiful crop is a good thing. Oh, look what God has done. He's brought a bountiful crop. It's good. And, and, and a crop destroyed by locusts, that would be a bad thing. We would agree. Even though we're not farmers, most of us, we know there's a good thing and a bad thing. But a good thing for those who aren't striving to love God and live a godly life and want to be holy a good thing can turn bad. The blessings. We've heard all the stories of those who, who win the lottery or receive this gift and, and then trouble start pouring in on them, right? Everybody wants this or wants that. And you may, it may look like a blessing, but for those who don't love God or enemies of God and running from God, it can turn around. A bad thing. A bad thing. A bankruptcy. Uh, depression, uh, you know, a health scare, a uh, cancer, whatever. You know what can happen? God can turn that around and make it an amazing, amazing experience. Um, okay, I got to share a story. God gave me a real story this week. And uh, it's one of those stories that God's hand was just so present. Um, you know, we, 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 uh, we had a great week and, and uh, you know, without going into details, my father-in-law, Sam, who's, who's an amazing man of God and mentor to me uh, in my life. Um, and now my father-in-law, he's going through some, some health challenges and, and, and he's going through a season of his life that, that's presented some, some very different challenges to him. And so we were, we're praying together and, and, and um, we wanted this week to be a great week for Sam and for just to experience um, just, just God being with us and and then some, some bad things happened uh, towards the end of the week. Uh, number one, uh, Sam lost his hearing aids. And for someone to have a hard time hearing and being with, and they're very, very expensive, it just kind of frustrated him and the whole situation. It was just tough and nobody could find the hearing aids. 
And then uh, my brother-in-law, David, he lost his dog. He's got this little, little dog, uh, some kind of terrier. And the dog ran off and we are in the woods, in the mountains. And so we said, oh, maybe he'll come back. And then, you know, we couldn't find him at night. And then it's becoming like, you know, 36 hours later, he's gone. We've went to neighbors and, and we're leaving the next day. And the kids, you know, everybody's like, we're going to have to leave. Maybe he's dead, maybe hit by a car. And just the whole atmosphere, everybody's praying for this dog. And to be honest, we all kind of expected the worst. Uh, at, at this point uh, of the trip. And uh, it was just a cloud hovering over us. So Sam and I went out to pray and uh, we went out on a prayer walk. And so let's walk down the mountain road. Although many people have been looking for him for, for a day and a half. And let's spend time praying together. And we walked, we walked for about a mile. We were about to turn around and said, let's turn around and let's keep praying. And I said, no, Sam, let's go just a little bit further to see if we can find Bauer, which is the dog. As soon as I said that, and we turned the corner, Bauer, the dog, was sitting on the road right in front of us. And uh, we, we, we just praised God. I got him. We brought him back. It was like a parable. And everybody was like crying when we came back, and the kids were crying, and we were praising God. And then, and then as soon as we're praising God together, Sam looked down in the bushes, and his hearing aids were right there in the bushes. And then we, I, I mean, we just celebrated and we had a big dinner that night and it was fun. It was amazing. And there was this moment and, and it may sound trivial as I talk about like this, but it was so specific. And I looked through, Hey, yeah, it was, it was hard to go through this time, not wondering what happened to the dog. It was hard with the hearing aids. It, it was, it really did. It really did make an impact on the trip. But I tell you, it gave us this amazing moment of faith with tears and it brought Sam to tears it brought everybody just saying God you are with us in the details and it spoke to the family you're going to continue to take care of us it was a moment it was a very real God moment for me and the family God lets us go through things God lets us go through things that are tough, that are hard, but will ultimately do what? Bring us faith. Will bring us faith. Think about the Egyptians, or not the Egyptians, the Israelites fleeing from the Egyptians. We're going to die. And the chariots are coming. They're right up against the Red Sea. And there's this desperate situation. And that's when God had his mighty hand brought such amazing faith to people by doing this miracle. God builds our faith and God works for the good of those who love him. If we saw things through that lens, that lens of faith, it changes the way we, we look at the world. It changes the way we see blessing. It changes the way we see challenges. It changes the way we see hurricanes. It changes the way we see cancer. It changes the way we see our sin. We can look back in our past. And through the work of God, we can reclaim our past for victory in Jesus Christ. Our past addictions. Maybe you went through a divorce. 
Maybe you're irresponsible financially. Maybe you went through bankruptcy. Maybe you went through this or that. Maybe you experienced uh, just, just, just horrific things in your life or struggled with different sins that now we can turn that on its head through Jesus and say, look what God helped me come through. We can help those who have gone through the same types of struggles. We can claim victories. We can speak to others with addictions. We can understand the grace of God and forgiveness. We can reclaim our past and claim victory through Jesus. God is at work in our lives over all things, bringing good for those who love him. Oh, I got to hurry. I had two more points and time is clicking by here. But Ephesians chapter two, I'll try to do this very quickly. God is at work, always at work. God is at work for the good of those who love him. And number three, God is also working through his people. Ephesians 2, verse 4. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incom incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness through us in Christ Jesus. It is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, Jesus has done the work to save us. It's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, and no one can boast about that. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Look at this. To do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God is working. But that doesn't mean we just sit around and wait for God to work. The way God works so often, and, and is, he's consistent through all the scripture and through all time, is he works through his people. He's created works for you and I to do. And God gets glory through that. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, it's called Crescendo. And um, um, dad said, you got to read this. He bought it for him about a year ago. It's a, it's a book about my uh, music and drama teacher growing up in Thomasville, Georgia. It's a biography about his life. I'm reading things. I think they're making it into a movie. He was the most brilliant musician man I've ever known in my life. Incredible director, inspired so many of us, inspired me in my life, an amazing mentor and teacher. I did not realize how awful his life was growing up. He had the most horrendous childhood. A lot of evil done to him. A lot of really, really, really bad things. Um, and what I see in the reading in this, there, there are different people in uh, Mr. Allen's life that were heroes that God worked through in him. It was his great uncle, Noah. And I'm going to say their names because their names need to be said, to be remembered. Uh, great uncle Noah, when he was just a little kid, needed somebody to uh, bring in some encouragement. He was the only one who could. This lady, Mrs. Duncan, a teacher who helped an eight-year-old boy who she saw was just thinking, he was a very talented musician at that young age, and she took the time to draw him out, to give him attention, to help him 
Mrs. Duncan. It was a family, the Lewis family, who actually took him in and let him live with them while he was in high school to get away from this toxic situation he was living in. It was a mentor at uh, LaGrange, Georgia, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, who helped him uh, with his musical talent. He became an amazing, talented, gifted teacher, mentor, but it took these people that God worked through these people to show his love and express his love and to bring change and redemption and healing. God works through people like these four people I mentioned and others. He works through people to help and to heal and bring redemption that we are called to make these types of choices, to give our attention to the eight-year-old, to give our attention to those in need, to, to be like Jesus, to be those living stones that are helping and healing. That is who God's people are called to be. We are the ones that God uses for his works. These are the acts of God. What is God preparing you? What is God prompting you for in your life? And finally, John 14, John 14, verse 1. This is a cool point. We got to close with this, though. Jesus says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the way, the place where I'm going. The Lord is at work right now doing what? Preparing a place for us. Isn't that cool? That right now, he's working hard. He's working hard. There's going to be a new earth. There's going to be a new heaven the Bible talks about. I don't know how all that works. I have some ideas we can talk about. But we do know this, that Jesus is at work right now getting it ready. Getting it ready for us. Um, when he's finished with all the work on this earth, with all the human, uh, our work, um, there's a new, new place for us. God's at work, church. I could go on about that. But we got to see that God's at work. He's always working. He's, he's, he's always working. He's working to make us holy. He's working for our good, the good of and the ultimate good of his people. And he's working to prepare a place for us. God has done the work of salvation. He's working right now to teach us. How has God brought good to you out of both challenging times and encouraging situations when you're seeking to follow him? We're going to talk about these things on Wednesday. How has God used others to do his work in your life? How has God used you to do his work for others in the past? What work is God prompting and preparing you to do now? And what excites you about the future revealing of the new home that Jesus is working on now? Um, David expresses this in Psalm 121. And I'll read this to conclude, and we're going to have a time of the Lord's Supper together just to remember Jesus and all the work that he's done and is doing. And Jesus, uh, David says this and expresses this work of God, this, this ongoing work of God in Psalm 121. 
says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. He will not slumber, church. He's at work. He always has been. He always will be. He's at work in our life right now. How's God working in your life? Let's thank God right now as we close our service uh, with, with communion. We have a song we sing together here as we take communion. Let's thank God for his great work of salvation that he has done and that he continues to do. Lord, we thank you for all your work you've done because you love us. God, your creation is so amazing. It's majestic. It points to how powerful and mighty and creative you are. God, you created us in your image and you gave us a soul and you created love and a relationship. God, as we have rebelled, you haven't given up on us. You brought a great plan of redemption, showing us of your unselfish love and sacrifice through Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice that makes us holy. God, help us to be holy. God, we invite you to continue to shape us and change us. We want to be more like Jesus, the living stones of this world that express your love to others. Thank you for your love. We pray these in Jesus' name. Amen.